Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. The amazing thing about Reaper is the developers are just, we're like, oh, we need to make this thing more, more accessible with the API. And then, oh, I don't know, several hours later, there's a test build, <laughs> which has the fix implemented. So they're absolutely phenomenal to work with. And that's what we'll be talking about this week, Reaper, a sophisticated audio production program that we're now using to edit Eyes on Success interviews. Reaper is made accessible with a screen reader on both PCs and Macs by the open source Osara extension now available for Reaper. We'll speak with Scott Chesworth, who manages the Reaper forums, and Jamie Tay, who is the author of Osara. But first for our tip of the week. This week, we have two tips for separate stages of the process from Scott Chesworth. Reaper um, in itself, just by nature of how insanely customizable it is, that does increase the learning curve slightly. If your intent on learning everything that a piece of software can do. Whereas I tend to think that the trick when you're coming into a new piece of software is just to focus on the stuff that you actually need it to do and ignore everything else until you need it. And I can certainly agree with that. When you're learning any new skill or program, if you just take it one small step at a time, focus on the task that you need to do that day, and after a while, you'll have a whole bag full of tricks that you know how to use. And it's always easiest to learn new skills when applying them to a task you actually want to get done. Instead of saying, oh, I think I'll learn this skill and have nothing to apply it to. For sure. Once you've learned something about using Reaper and you want to get involved in actually producing some music or speech or whatever kind of project. Here's some more advice from Scott Chesworth. Check what the people that you're taking advice from sounds like. And if you don't like the sound of their output, if that doesn't inspire you, then don't worry about what they're saying. Make sure that you're essentially following advice from someone that can make content that excites you. And that is great advice to, in some sense, find yourself a mentor whose work you like, almost in any field, not just music. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by meeting Scott and Jamie. Well, today we have two guests, and we're doing this interview with people around the world. So, Scott, you're in the United Kingdom. Can you start by introducing yourself? Hey, I'm Scott Chesworth. I am in sunny West London, UK, and uh, I'm a Reaper user. I'm also involved in Asara. I fundraised to uh, get Asara started, and Jamie will tell you more about what Asara is in a minute. Um, and nowadays, I run the Reapers Without Peepers email list, and I tend to be the main... Uh, sort of point of, of contact between screen reader users who are using Reaper and the uh, Reaper development team. I'm not the only person doing it, but I'm pretty much the mainstay. 
And I take it you also do some tutoring and lessons. Yeah, so I teach one-on-one and uh, keep my hand in with sort of more general work, editing, mixing, mastering, that sort of stuff. You said you're involved with Osara. Are you a screen reader user yourself? Yeah. And that leads us into our next guest, who has been on the show several times before from around another part of the world in Australia. Jamie, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Jamie Tay. Um, I'm probably best known for my 10 years of work on the NVDA screen reader as a, a co-founder of NV Access and also a co-lead developer of NVDA. But I've also, I think I've been on the show for the Sonar NVDA add-on. So that was something I worked on. So, you know, you can tell from that, I've always had an interest in audio and accessibility. Uh, And then in, I think, 2014, uh, Scott approached me about trying to make Reaper more accessible or at least more modernly accessible. And that's how Asara was born. Uh, And I guess we'll talk about more more about that as we go through. But uh, these days, my day job is I work as a tech lead and software engineer for Mozilla working on the Firefox web browser. That was the subject of our last interview with you. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you, too, also have no vision, right? Yes, so I'm also a screen reader user myself. As I recall, you use it faster than anybody else on the planet. Yeah, I think I'm at like 930 words a minute now or something. <laughs> that's impossible. <laughs> Slow down, Jamie. <laughs> Savor the moment. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is the popular Reaper digital audio workstation and how it can be used with a screen reader by implementing Osara. Anyway, we talked a little bit about Reaper and Osara, but just for our listeners who don't know what those are, can we start out, Scott, with describing what Reaper is? Reaper is a digital audio workstation. Um, It's a multi-track, non-destructive editor for audio and to some extent video as well. And so to break all that jargon down, basically means it's like a, really cheap, really flexible, really customizable recording studio that runs on your computer. So you can use it for podcasting, you can use it for music, for audiobooks, for sound design, for radio stuff, for game audio, for well, pretty much anything. And although it is one of the less expensive audio production programs compared to many of the commercial programs, which are hundreds of dollars, Reaper's functionality makes it possible to use it for professional purposes. Yeah, um, I've been doing that since mm, 2010, on and off, but mainly on. And now we also talked about Osara. Reaper has a fair amount of intrinsic accessibility, but I take it it works a lot better if you use the Osara add-on. Can you talk a little bit about Osara and how it came to be, Jamie? Yeah, so if you look at Reaper by itself, uh, the user interface, the dialogues, the the settings sections, the menus, 
all of those things are fairly accessible out of the box. It uses standard controls wherever it can, which is amazing. But always in an audio editor, there are parts which you know it's impossible to use standard controls for. So the list of tracks where the different sections of the recording, so what Reaper calls items, you know, notes in a MIDI editor, all of those things you can't really use standard controls for. And so those are the things that aren't accessible out of the box. There was an extension for uh, quite a while, and Scott might be able to recall when it came to be called Reaccess. 2008, 2009, somewhere around there? Yeah, um, and it was developed for quite a while, and it provided you know, pretty, pretty decent access to Reaper. This is before my time in Reaper. And unfortunately, it kind of got abandoned uh, around the... When do you reckon that would have been? Mm, sort of 2012? Yeah, thereabouts. Kind of got abandoned, and Reaper moved on, and it didn't, uh, which was somewhat of a problem, not just because there were features that Reaper added that weren't accessible, but also because the certain things actually started to break and didn't work anymore. And so Scott approached me in sort of 2014 and asked whether I'd be interested in you know, having a play, see if I could basically create a new open source kind of alternative to Reaccess. And I originally wasn't sure if I'd be able to find the time or anything like that. And then I, was, I sort of just started to dive in as I do. I get hooked on these things. <laughs> and uh, started throwing out a few you know, test builds and saying, you know, this is very basic, but what do you think? And uh, Scott must have liked it to some degree because then he started to, <laughs> to organize some funding for it. But that's basically how it came to be. The other piece of history I would give is that I'd previously been involved with the Sonar uh, Digital Audio Workstation. And honestly, making that thing accessible was just, you know, I did a lot of good audio in that, but it was painful. And, and even producing in Sonar, I found just very frustrating and I didn't enjoy it at all. And so looking at Reaper and the flexibility it provided, the application programming interface that it provided for developers, I was just looking at it going that we can do so much better and have so much more access. Uh, so I was really excited from, from that perspective. Well, and I take it that's one of the things that makes access with a screen reader so much better with Reaper is that the Reaper development team gives access to their API. So it doesn't rely on scripts that have to look at the screen and colors and text and fonts and things like that. So it is a much more robust way of interacting with the program from the perspective of a screen reader. Certainly, there is there is literally no screen scraping code. There are a few little bits and pieces that look at Windows specific stuff, but there's no screen scraping, and so it doesn't break when you know the phase of the moon changes, <laughs> or your your screen resolution changes slightly, or anything like that. Uh, and so it's just yeah, rock solid most of the time. The other big advantage to us being API based with Asara is that it means you can work alongside sighted users, and they can configure Reaper to look. Well, however they want it to. And so you can both be comfortable sharing the same system. That is one of the nice aspects of Reaper. We've been using Sonar for many years to do our podcast, and we switched to Reaper late last year sometime. But every once in a while in Sonar, Nancy would mess up the interface because she can see. And, you know, I didn't she... mess it up. I made it better. Well, you modified it. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't better with a screen reader. Then all of a sudden, I'd open Sonar and I couldn't use it. But with Reaper, we've never run into those problems. And generally, the amazing thing about Reaper is the developers are just, you know, we're like, oh, we need to make this thing more accessible with the API because we're using some dodgy alternative. And then 
oh, I don't know, several hours later, there's a test build, <laughs> which has the fix implemented. So they're absolutely phenomenal to work with. So I gather you developed Osara from the ground up. How did you choose the name and what does it mean? It was my attempt at making a cool sounding acronym. And I don't know whether I succeeded, but it stands for Open Source Accessibility to the Reaper Application. I've heard about Reaper many years ago and always considered switching to it, but it had this reputation of being aimed at sort of the more geeky type person and you needed to dig into it a little bit more. Can you speak a little bit about that and kind of making the transition to work these days? Initially, that was true. Nowadays, that reputation of it being a steep learning curve is less accurate. I think, um, partly because Asara is just easier to grasp in terms of the user experience, um, partly because the community support has really picked up in a big way. And also because Reaper itself is just like more refined as a piece of software now than it was back in sort of 2008, 2009, when, when blind people first started trying to make stuff with it. Well, there's two things that actually helped me make the transition to Reaper after thinking about it for many years is, first of all, they have a free demo, fully functional demo that Mm -hmm. will work for 60 days. So I figured, well, why not give it a shot? And then I found the Reapers Without Peepers mailing list, which you um, sort of oversee, and the people on there are very helpful. And you also have the accessibility wiki for Reaper for people using screen readers. You have a lot of support these days in terms of getting people started. Yeah, it's a really good community, man. And I've been, again, I'm not the only person steering that ship. But I'd say I've been fairly instrumental in building the welcoming, kind of encouraging, supportive, kind of doesn't matter what stage you're at like the door is open and someone will help you along kind of vibe that you find there now. I think the thing that motivates me to work on it is that I've genuinely built like a little corner of the internet where it's nice to hang out. And I just don't find that in many other places. (laughs) So it keeps me working on it. How big do you figure the community is at this point? Reaper Without Peepers hovers around about 600 at the moment. I don't have any stats for reaperaccessibility.com, but given that that is translated into a couple of different languages now, the wiki page, I suspect that's probably getting the most amount of hits out of any of it. Um, And then with all of the groups that I just mentioned, we're starting to see uh, language-specific branches of those springing up now. And I've seen a lot of that language translation start to appear in Osara these days. And I know you primarily are the driver of Osara, Jamie, but you have other people contributing to that open source project? Yeah, so uh, it's on GitHub, uh, which means that anyone who wants to contribute can. And I still control what goes in, but I'm very happy to accept contributions from others. Yeah, translation is one of those things that's been asked about since the beginning. And honestly... I didn't want to implement it because it's incredibly tedious. <laughs> um, but this year I I thought, oh, well, I'll give it a shot and then sat down and started implementing it. And uh, the response was very immediate, people wanting to translate. So I, I think it was worth it. So people will 
contribute translations. There's also been code contributed uh, from quite a few people, in, including Scott actually started to get his feet dirty in the code. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, this is one of the things I love about open source is aside from the fact that people are contributing now, you know, if I get hit by a bus, which we all hope doesn't happen, you know, if that happens, it will outlive me. And I, I really love that concept of something that, that uh, you know, outlives the people that are, that are involved with it. Now, you also talked about the developer of Kakos, who uh, sells the program, Reaper, how amenable they are to making quick changes. Can you talk a little bit about your interaction with them? Most developers are not so sympathetic to accessibility concerns or so quick to make some fixes for screen readers. So I initially started working on Asara without any help from the Reaper developer, just knowing that their amazing API uh, allowed me to do a lot without even interacting. Then there were little things along the way where I was like, we could, we could do a little better than this. And I just reached out uh, to the, the Coco support and got a reply from the lead developer very quickly. And it was just always, has always been really quick and keen to look into things. There'll be occasions where people are like, oh, we don't necessarily have the resource to implement that now, but generally the response is pretty immediate and pretty amazing. For, for anything that we've needed. They're just incredibly helpful. And I think it really matters to them that everyone can use what they've developed, uh, which is really what you want to see from any developer. But uh, sadly, as you say, you don't always. They must be an unusual team over there. It's a very small team. So you've got lead developer is a guy called Justin Frankel. And if you listen to the show, chances are you've used this software without even knowing it. He wrote Winamp back in the day and his uh, i guess you would call him like right hand man if you like sort of second in command is a guy called john schwartz and then everybody else that develops um is just sort of contracted in for this little sprint on so and so a feature or that little sprint but it's it's a very tight-knit team it's meant that over the years i've built up a, a really good relationship with justin in particular because I've always been talking to the same person. Mm. And so he is now at a point where he genuinely understands like the screen reader UX. Like he, um, he really understands how people are using Reaper with a screen reader. thing to keep in mind with accessibility is it's, it's so much about empathy and about the really thinking about the people that this matters to the, the individuals and, and the difference that it makes to their lives. And that's why having contact with the same person over a period of time, you can build that rapport and you know, have that empathy. And that will, you know, you, you get so much further, like you can have the best technical product in the world, but without that, that empathy and that understanding of the individuals that you affect, uh, it's just not, you know, you're not going to have as much success in this space. Well, it's very good to see a company interacting in that manner with uh, the blindness community. And it's sort of a model for other companies. Now, as you mentioned, Reaper is a fully functional audio production program with lots and lots of features and complexity. Do you have any advice for people jumping in and trying to get started? I think one of your tips, Scott, was to start out by looking at what function you want to perform and focus on that. But maybe you have some other advice. Yeah, I would say um, just sit down and map out exactly what you want to do. And think of it in terms of like short-term goals to start with. 
Um, and so the first step on that list is probably going to be to get Reaper, Asara and SWS installed. Those three things all kind of go hand in hand. And for people who don't know what SWS is, can you mention what that is? SWS is a set of extensions, kind of like what Asara is really. Um, but whereas Asara is geared towards accessibility exclusively, SWS bolts on a, a bunch of extra actions and features, just like handy little things. Um, and the reason it's important to have all three is that Asara uses some stuff from SWS uh, to make using Reaper as productive as we can. So that's the first place to start. And then I would say the second thing to do is just poke through as many of the resources as you can stomach on reaperaccessibility.com, um, specifically on the useful links and resources section. I'm biased in recommending this because I also present it, but there's a course called 10 Typical Tasks with Scott. And it's a totally free download. Um, it covers getting started with Reaper on Windows or on Mac. And as of right now, assuming that you're listening to this show sometime in 2021, it's all pretty current. Those are an excellent resource. What's great about those tutorials you put together is sometimes people put together these tutorials and they'll go on for 45 minutes and you're asleep by the end. But these are nice, quick, three to four minute little snippets just with one focus in mind, and they're really helpful. It's like an hour and a half from end to end, mm -hmm. and it covers an immense amount of stuff in that time. So I think really the value in it is not just listening to it. The value is take each of those tutorials in turn that you're interested in, sit down with your own source material, whether that's stuff that you're importing, audio that you've already got, or whether that's recordings that you're making yourself, it's probably going to be pretty janky sounding to start with, right? But that's true for everybody. The value in those uh, tutorials is when you start following along with your own stuff. It's all very well to hear me doing stuff um, that I've practiced many, many, many times over. I'm going to make it seem easy. But really, you'll know where you are when you start making your own stuff. And that's where it also starts to become fun. Well, and there's a lot to be said for the reward of actually diving in and seeing results. You know, even if they're a little bit janky, you see those results and you're like, wow, I'm, I'm doing things here and this is amazing. Yeah. I guess the last thing I would add to this little list of recommendations is once you've got the stuff installed, or even if you're having problems getting the stuff installed, get yourself introduced to whichever corner of the accessibility community is, is most comfortable for you. And people will help like whatever you're struggling with, whatever stage you're at, people will help. If you're at ground zero, we've walked a ton of people through from ground zero and we'll be happy to do the same. Well, you guys do a great job and we all appreciate it. Thanks. And as Scott says, it is a very friendly and helpful community. So I encourage people to join the Reapers without peepers email forum and get acquainted with all of its members and check out the accessibility wiki that they put together. And we'll have that contact information in just a second. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. 
Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about the Reaper Digital Audio Workstation, about how to use it with Osara and a screen reader, and how to contact Jamie Tay and Scott Chesworth directly. We talked about a number of resources during the interview, and I wonder if we can just review some of those so our listeners have it all in one place. You talked about the Reapers Without Peepers email forum, Scott. How do people sign up to become a part of that community? So that is on groups.io. If you type RWP groups.io into Google, you'll find it. Um, if you're uh, nerdy enough to remember a full URL, you can go to groups.io forward slash G forward slash RWP to get there. And it's also linked from uh, the useful links and resources page of reaperaccessibility.com. It's also linked from the Asara README. So it's pretty easy to reach, like wherever you land in the community. RWP is Reapers Without Peepers. But how do people find Reaper in the first place? Oh, good point. Uh, Reaper.fm. <laughs> and how about the Asara tools, Jamie? Where do people pick those up? So the place where most people would download them is asara.reaperaccessibility.com. And that links to all the other places we just mentioned as well. But also for people who want to maybe get their feet dirty with the code or just look at it or get involved in some other way, filing issues or feature requests, anything like that, uh, there's the GitHub, which is also linked from the Asara website. If anybody had a question for either of you, how would they reach you? So the best way to reach me, I mean, generally, I, I prefer to sort of correspond via GitHub and via the RWP mailing list, just because it means that I can you know, divide my time well. Uh, my email address, though, for people that are interested is jamie at jantrid, J-A-N-T-R-I-D dot net. And if you want to email me, um, I'm on scottchesworth at gmail.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-C-H-E-S worth w-o-r-t-h at gmail.com or just get signed up to one of the branches of the reaper community stick questions for me in there i'm active on there most days jamie do you have any social media presence i am on twitter i am jcs tay jcs t-e-h and i am irregular <laughs> i pay attention sometimes <laughs> <laughs> and as our regular listeners know in case you missed all of that information in the audio, you can always find it in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. I also want to note that through the years, we've done a number of shows on music, music production, performance, etc. And if people would like to review some of those shows, then go to the search field on our website and just enter the keyword music. And you'll get a list of all those shows, including a summary for each show, along with links to the audio and show notes. We also have a new YouTube channel. And if folks want to subscribe there, that's another way of listening to Eyes on Success. And we always encourage people to sign up for the podcast. And that way you won't miss an episode. That's it for show number 2139. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be doing an encore presentation of an episode from about two years ago where we spoke with Susan Bennett, whose voice was used to create the original female English language Siri voice. Yes, we'll be speaking with Siri. 
and we'll talk with her about her experiences as a voice artist, actress, and musician, what it was like to create the voice for Siri, how she found out that she was the voice behind Siri, and how it ultimately changed her career. And that was a fun interview, and it was great to learn what really happens behind the scenes of some utility that we use virtually every day and don't think about it. So we hope you'll all join us next week for that episode. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.